1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 12. I'm reading from the New Living Translation this morning. Read along with me. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free, but we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I am not a hand, that does not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear says, I am not part of the body because I am not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Now, maybe I'm just a parent to younger kids, but does anybody else see that little green guy from Monsters, Inc. with the one eyeball when you read that passage? That's what I see. If your whole body was an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many different parts, and God has put each part just where He wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary, and the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require the special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. Last week, we started this series called The Church, and we talked about the importance of community. It's in community together that we have fellowship opportunities to get to know one another and do life together and we grow in depth and relationship. It's in community that we grow together in our faith in Jesus. It's in community that we encourage one another and motivate one another to do the things God wants us to do. And it's in community that we care for one another, that people feel a sense of belonging, that people have a sense of being cared for, especially in those crisis moments in life. We talked about two specific types of groups that we offer at EPAG to help you plug into community. The first one we mentioned was divorce care, and that is for those who have maybe been through or are actively going through a divorce. If you would like to journey with people who've been there, if you would like to be on that journey with people who are going through that at the same time, this is a great opportunity for you on Wednesday nights, starting in just a couple of Wednesday nights, to meet right here on this campus and to journey with people who are facing or have faced similar things. We also talked about life groups. And if you haven't plugged into a life group, I challenge you to do that today before you even leave the campus. You can scan our QR code. You can stop by the Next Steps Connect Center. One way or the other, I challenge you to plug into a group because here you will build depth and you will grow and you will feel a sense of belonging with other people. In our message last week, 
we talked about how there's a lot of negativity and a lot of bad reports when it comes to the church, the idea of organized religion, uh, how people are responding to the church in our world. We even talked about how in the Twin Cities area, that if things continue to trend the way they are with the population and influence of world religions and world ethnicities, the increase of wickedness, witchcraft, and the decline of church attendance, that there's a prediction that in the Twin Cities area, within 20 to 30 years, there'll be virtually no church attendance in this area. None. But we declared last week, according to the truth of Scripture and the belief in who God is, that Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So even if there's some rough things going on, even if there are a lot of question marks in our world, there will always be a people who follow Jesus, and Jesus has promised to work through us to change our world. The church is alive and well. Let's say that again. The church is alive and well. Now today I want to talk to you about the church and the importance of serving. I, uh, I've, my story may be different from yours today. I, I grew up in church, and, and I've talked about that before. I've been in vocational ministry now quite a while, and, and so I've been in the church world long enough to know there are a few unofficial scientific principles when it comes to the church world. On a personal level, I can tell you that if I ever plan to think that my week is going to be a lighter load, I can always prepare there's going to be a crisis. It may not be my crisis, but it will become my crisis because it involves someone near me or in the church. If it's in the church fridge, you should check the date because it could be expired. We, we, we serve you good donuts, I promise. Don't fret. If there is a storage room at a local church, it shall be full of something from 50 years ago, I can promise you. And then one other principle that I've learned through the years is what's commonly referred to as the 2080 principle. And it may not be true in every local church, but in many local churches, the principle is 20% of the people in a local church do 80% of the work. It may not be true in every local church, but it is true in many of them. I would suggest the healthier the local church, the more people who are engaged in serving. Because a healthy church is full of people that understand they are the church, and the people who understand they are the church understand that they're to serve the Lord and to serve others. That's part of God's design, and that's part of His desire, and it should be part of our desire as a true follower of Jesus. Now, when we talk about serving God and serving others through the local church and in our lives, we're really focused on one main question today. Are we contributors to God's work, or are we simply and only consumers of God's work? Are we contributors to God's work, or are we only consumers of God's work? Now, to some degree, I think we can all understand, we all benefit from the work of God. We, we benefit from fellowship with one another, from growing in our faith, the encouragement that comes with being a part of the body of Christ. We benefit from the care that happens between us. But the idea of God's plan is that His work would be mutually beneficial, meaning 
We may receive benefit from His work in our lives through others, but we also want to be actively serving others so that others may experience the goodness of God in their lives. To some degree, we all benefit, but the idea is that we would also give back and honor God and bless others. I want you to think about this morning, if everyone was a consumer... If every church goer or church member or person who claimed to be part of a local church or Jesus follower, if everyone expected the church to minister to their family, if everyone expected their personal needs to be met, if everyone expected that things that happen within the organization of a local church would all be based on their personal preferences, a consumer watches a lot of things happen, and expects it to happen for their benefit. In, in culture, we've become good at critiquing the things that we interact with. And if not careful, we allow that to come into the church world as well. Yelp reviews and Google reviews and the opportunity to give our opinion on what our experience was like has become very popular And so if not careful, we've begun treating local churches like restaurants and like businesses and like services. And all you have to do is talk to a few local pastors anywhere, and you'll find out, based on the complaints they've received through the years, just how silly it can become. It's too hot. It's too cold. It's too dark. It's too bright. The coffee is too strong and too black. The coffee's not strong enough. Don't talk about politics. You talk too much about politics. I didn't get a plain glazed donut hole in my boat. I only got plain glazed donut holes in my boat. John Christ, who is a a comedian, was doing a live video and talking about how to visit a local church. And in the video, he read, live read, some of the Google reviews he was finding about churches. One was this. The message was too monotone and screamy for me. Now, I'm not the brightest bulb on any tree. I've got a Worth County, Georgia education, but monotone and screamy seem like opposites to me in general. Another quote from a Google review was, the worship leader looked like he just got done mowing the yard. And then the last one was, the paninis were awful. We don't even have paninis. I don't know where that puts us. Now, I'm not suggesting in any shape, form, or fashion that a local church should be lazy. A local church should not be unaware. A church shouldn't be impersonal. I'm simply challenging the notion that we not treat church just like another piece of culture to judge by our selfish standards. Now, imagine instead of being consumers, if everyone is a contributor. And I don't just mean your wallet. Imagine if everyone was focused on worshiping God and serving other people around them. A vertical, pleasing the Lord, a horizontal, honoring the people around us. Not just receiving from ministry efforts, but involved in helping other people receive from ministry efforts as well. When people become less concerned about what's in it for me, and instead become helpful to making a church the friendliest, most intentional, most active place for people it can be. Here's a question for us to ponder. If everyone was just like you... 
how healthy would the church be? If everyone was just like you, how healthy would the church be? Would the church be full of consumers or contributors? Would the church be full of people who are serving and giving back or just those who are being served? Would it be people who are giving back and and giving time and talent and treasure or just people who are receiving from the benefits of others who are serving? Now before we get into a deeper discussion of 1 Corinthians 12, let me pause for a moment and say, as Pastor Cynthia said earlier in announcements, if you're alive and have a pulse, every person who claims to be a Jesus follower and every person who claims to be a part of a local church, every one of those people can be a person who prays for their church. You don't have to wait for the Holy Spirit to hit you over the head to find out if you're gifted enough to pray for the church. Can I just tell you today, if you claim to be a Jesus follower, you can pray for the body of Christ. You can pray for the needs of others. You can pray for the wisdom of leadership. You can pray for the resources and finances and other needs that everything would be met as it needs to be. We can all commit to praying for our local body of believers, praying for our local church. We can all be givers of time and talent and treasure. Now, I get it. When when any pastor says something about anything to do with money, people get nervous. I understand why. I grew up in a time when, when uh, and I'm not bashing or putting all of this under one generalized category, but I grew up in a time when Christian television was very popular. Uh, maybe the words telethon or shareathon are well known to some of you. Some of you are nodding your heads. I think my grandmother bought every prayer shawl John Hagee ever sold. I'm not criticizing it. I'm just saying... It was, it was the thing going on. If you give this much, you'll get a gift this month. If you want to buy the new book or the latest product or all these different things. And I'm not suggesting that there shouldn't be resourcing those who are serving in those capacities. But because of the nature of how that came off to many people and add to it the lavish lifestyles that begin to become alarming to people who were giving into some of these ministries and then watching individuals live in that way, We had a concern among many churches, among many pastors, to not talk as much about money. We don't want to be put in that category. We don't want to be labeled in that way. So what typically happens in humanity is when something is wrong, we swing the pendulum. The problem is we usually swing the pendulum way too far. So then you get into the place where no pastor ever talks about money, never talks about stewardship, never talks about God's biblical principles for finances, which is talked about quite a bit in Scripture. So I'm not here today to preach a series or message at this moment on best practices of finances, stewardship, uh, debt, tithing, giving. We could go through all of that. But I am here today to tell you that if we're being obedient to the Lord, we will all be prayers and we will all be givers. Givers financially, givers in time, givers in our talent. What Scripture teaches us is that God has gifted each one to be a servant and to further His work. When we're focused on His work and His mission, we're less caught up in what's in it for me. We're more attentive to God, and we're more attentive to serving others. Now, let's look back for a moment in 1 Corinthians 12, our text for today. What do we learn? First of all, we learn that the body is made up of many parts. Now, if you were here last week, I introduced you to a friend of mine 
He's feeling kind of empty today. There's a reason. (laughs) We called him Peter because he's wearing a Spider-Man shirt, for those who need the reference. The Bible says that our physical bodies are made up of many parts. I think we all know that. There's a head, there's hands, there's feet, even internally... There's a lot in the human body that, that we are made of. There's tissues and muscles and ligaments and tendons. And then there's bones and nervous systems and the immune system, all sorts of different things going on in our body, many of which we never really even think twice about, right? So much of what's going on. Jesus, that, that imagery of Jesus in the body of Christ is what Paul uses in 1 Corinthians 12 to talk about the body of Christ, this physical body. And what happens is God brings together different backgrounds and different races and different ethnicities and different statuses. He brings together people who have a lot of different stories, a lot of different pasts, and he brings them all together the same way. Paul said we were all baptized into the family of God through the one spirit, the one Holy Spirit. We talk about water baptism. We talk about spirit baptism, but at salvation is the idea of being baptized into Christ or being brought into the family of God. We're all different, but we're all brought in the same way by grace through faith in Jesus. And so we all come together as this family, this body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12 goes on to tell us that every part has an ability or a purpose. Every part has an ability or a purpose. How many of you eat with your feet? I, I don't think I see any hands today. I was expecting a student to say maybe that they ate with their feet. We don't eat with our feet. We, we don't walk around on our hands all the time. Some of you may be able to do a handstand. I commend you. It's fantastic. I can't do a handstand, nor do I want to stay on my head that long. But can you imagine having to walk around on your hands all the time? So just like with the human body, every part has a purpose in the body of Christ. Every person is uniquely gifted with talent and treasure and time, and we can serve God in these different ways. Now, what the Scripture teaches in 1 Corinthians 12 is that the ability or purpose of each part of the body of Christ is determined by the Holy Spirit. The gifting, the ability, the purpose is determined by the Holy Spirit. Why does this matter? Well, first of all, no one can boast in their gifting or their ability because no one would have that gifting or ability if it wasn't for the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives. Okay? So there's no boasting. And then there's no feeling superior or inferior to others because of different giftings. What has typically happened in the church world, in my humble opinion, is that through the years, the giftings that are visible and audible have been the ones that have been seen to be the greatest gifts. People see the people with the microphone. People see the people standing on the platform. People see the people who teach and preach and do all of these things, and they see them as, whoa, man, they're good at this. They're good at that. I'll never be able to do any of that. And so they take the gifting that God has given them in their lives that may not be identical, but is still just as much valuable, and they never use it because they feel inferior to what they see and what they hear. Shouldn't be that way. Now, God did establish an order to his church. 
The Bible is clear in Colossians chapter 1, verse 18, that Christ Jesus is the head of the church. Now, that's very important. Because while I would say that this is, quote-unquote, my church in the sense of I get to pastor it, and you would say this is my church in the sense of you've chosen to be a part of this local community, in reality, the church is not mine in any way, shape, form, or fashion. Jesus is the head of the church. And if he's the head of the church, it means that the church should function the way he wants it to function. That's an important part. We don't get caught up in what we want, how we think, how things should go. We get caught up in, God, what do you say about your church? What do you want to take place? How do you want it to happen? Which brings us to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11, 12. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. Notice the word he used there. Now, these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors, and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's, equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. So notice, Christ is the head, or as Scripture would refer to Him, the good, the great, or the chief shepherd of the sheep, of the flock. And then there is, a, if we can use this terminology, an under-shepherd who is serving as a pastor of a local flock or a local church. And the job of that pastor is not to do things his own way, and the job of that pastor is not to do things to just please the people in everything. The job and role of the pastor, as defined by Scripture, is to say, Jesus, this is your church. What do you want? When do you want it? How do you want it? Tell me when to take the right step at the right time to do the things you want done in your church. That's the way it's supposed to be. That's why, that's why we don't get hung up in, in my church or what the numbers are or all these different things. We don't get caught up in that because I am simply a servant unto Christ. The Apostle Paul himself said, I'm a servant or a slave unto Christ. I am bound to him for all of my days to do whatever he tells me to do. That's following Jesus. That's what it means. So, but he gives these who serve in these capacities. Notice why Jesus gives those individuals. Their responsibility is to equip God's people. Who are God's people? Turn to your neighbor and tell them, you are. Yeah. To equip God's people to do his work, God's work, and to build up the church, the body of Christ. Now, I'm honored to serve as your pastor. And I don't take my role lightly because I believe Scripture declares that I will be judged even more strictly by Jesus himself for how I follow him and be obedient to him. That's the way Scripture declares it. And I'm grateful for the team that we get to serve with here. I think we should pause for a moment and say thanks to the staff that we have. They're phenomenal. Many of them right now are engaged in ministry to our own kids. I don't take that lightly. When, when my children come home from services and groups and they walk in the house and they're quoting Bible verses and they're able to do the motions and they're singing the song, I don't take that lightly. I get to partner with them. I'm supposed to carry that priority in my home myself, but I'm grateful I get to partner with We have an incredible team, an incredible staff, and it's not just kids, it's all the different areas that they're serving. And I'm grateful for that. And because of the Holy Spirit's choosing I am the one tasked with the responsibility to lead God's people in God's word and in God's ways and to equip 
you so that we all might help people follow Jesus. That means when you come in on Sunday, on Wednesday, in your life groups, all the different things that we do strategically to create community and to have time together and to grow together and to worship together, all these different things, it's not just so that you soak it in. It's so that you are being poured into... Now, that should be icing on the cake. You should be seeking the Lord and walking with the Lord every day of your life, right? If this is all the feeding you get, you're going to be hungry. You shouldn't go hungry. God wants to feed you every day of your life through His Word and by the Holy Spirit. But when you are here, you are being poured into so that then you will reach others for Christ. In your life circles, in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in your family, in your friends. So that you will then also help those who are new in Christ to grow up in Christ. Notice, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. So my role involves a lot of preaching and teaching and leadership. And it's very... um, uh, in, a, in a positive way. Don't take this the wrong way, but it's, very, it's, it's a burden to carry. It's a weight. Because I want to say, God, what is it you want? I want to make your decisions. I want to do what honors you, Lord, and serves others. Now, I, I get to stand up here and talk with you. I get to, to preach. I get to teach. I love what God's called me to do. But in my life, no matter what you think of me, I have no reason to brag, nor should I. I am only who I am because God chose for me to be who I am. I'm grateful that God can use me, but I'm humble knowing that He does. And that's the way it should be in the body of Christ. No matter what our giftings are, No one is superior or inferior in those ways. We must have this perspective. And see, what has happened through the years is is that people then begin to feel like that, that because they're not giving in the same way they see someone else giving, because their gifting is not the same, that somehow they're not as valuable. Well, Pastor Chris... I'm an encourager, and, and I just, I just that's what I love when people say, I just check on those people who can't physically come to church. Or oh, Pastor Chris, I, 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 my giftings are, are being involved in, in technology or taking pictures or capturing video or being involved. Well, Pastor Chris, I, I'm not able to physically serve because I, just, I have some, maybe some challenges physically, but I'm a faithful giver, and I'm praying behind the scenes for my church family. And somehow when people, I've heard people talk to me through the years about those things, they minimize them as if those things don't matter as much as what someone else is doing. And I would say to you, the proclamation of the gospel and the work of the body of Christ only goes forward when everyone is serving in whatever capacity God has given us, whether it's with a microphone or on a platform or whether it's in a prayer closet in your home. Every role that God has given us matters to His work going forward. Every role, every person, every gifting You're not just connecting to other people. You're not just being a faithful giver. You're not just taking pictures. You're not just doing that. Every gifting matters. Every person and every gifting matters. In all of these ways, you are part of the work of God, the body of Christ, and inspiring people of all ages to follow Jesus. Listen, please. Don't ever feel inferior or less than someone else Because you think they have a greater gifting than you do. And don't ever be jealous 
of someone else and whatever God's gifted them to do. God didn't make you that person and God didn't make that person you. We are all uniquely gifted by the Holy Spirit intentionally, 1 Corinthians 12 says, intentionally fit together the way God intends us to be fit together, knowing that when he fits us together, we will exponentially do more because everybody is doing it together. God puts us where we need to be. We're in this together. As 1 Corinthians 12 says, there never comes a point where in the body of Christ we can say to someone else, I don't need you. We can never come to that place. What ultimately happens is as every member of the body of Christ serves, the needs of the ministry are met. I'll call it the principle of multiplication. I can do certain things. I can be there for people as much as I possibly can. Our staff has great giftings. They can serve. They can be there for people. We can do as much work as we possibly can. And I can tell you, and I'll speak on behalf of the, of the other people on our staff, they do what they can. They serve day in and day out. In fact, to be honest with you, don't tell them I said this, I have to try to make sure they're taking a day off. They're faithful. They love what they get to do. They believe in the vision that God is giving Eden Prairie Assembly of God to the point that they want to be an active part of serving in those capacities. So we do those things. But the reality is, in in a church that is healthy, that is doing what God wants us to do, and that as a result is growing, we as a staff only are never going to be able to meet all the needs. Man, my friend back there can tell you, if there's one thing in ministry that I wish I could have done a long time ago was be in two places at one time, and it still hasn't happened. I can't even find it in the Scripture other than God Himself being everywhere at once. But if we all put our hands to the plow and serve together, we will see more and more people receive the ministry they need. People within the body of Christ, we serve one another. People are cared for. People are motivated. People are encouraged. When we go in this together, we serve in our community and people's lives are changed by the power of God. When we, when we are serving together and all of us have put our hands to the plow to follow Jesus and to serve other people, there are people who have not yet followed Jesus that will come to follow him because we're working together. Now, if you know me, you know that I love college football And you know by my accent that I'm not from Minnesota. And you know, if you've been around me long enough, that I'm a big Georgia Bulldog fan because I'm originally from Georgia. I didn't jump on the bandwagon when they won the national championship last year. I've been rooting for them all my life. I've had a good sports year being a Georgia sports fan. I don't even count the Falcons anymore. Ever since they lost that Super Bowl, they were winning 28-3. to I was kind of done with that. But the Atlanta Braves won the World Series. Don't worry, you still have 1991. So, so let me have this one. The Braves won the World Series and the Georgia Bulldogs won the national championship. I've had a pretty good year. And Georgia's off to a great start this year. They've played three games, only allowed one touchdown, and clobbered everybody they've played. People this morning are calling Georgia the new Alabama. Ugh, that was nasty just saying it. 
The only time I ever say roll tide is if I've hit a ball on the golf course that's barely off the ground. Keep rolling. Keep rolling. But if there's one thing I know, last year in the historic run for the Georgia football team winning the national championship, a lot of what they did was based on their good defense. And whether it's defense or offense, either side of the ball, it takes every person of those 11 players on either side of the ball to do their job in order for them to be successful. If you're playing as a defense, you've got to have people on the front of that line that know how to block, that know how to swim past the blocks, that know how to get to the quarterback and get home and put him on the ground, or at least pressure him enough that it throws him off his game. You've got to have linebackers that are both good in blocking, but that also can be good in pass coverage, because at some point they may have to move and scheme differently. You've got to have people in the back that can run fast with those wide receivers down the field and not be juked out of running off the route. They've got to stick with them and be on them like white on rice to make sure they can't catch the ball. They all have a part to do. The same is true on the offense. It's great if you have a star quarterback. It's great if you have star wide receivers. You have a running back that can run a 40 and 4.3. It's great to have all of those things, but if you don't have an offensive line that can block, you're not going to accomplish much of anything. Every person has to do their part. It takes all of us. What I loved about the Georgia football team last year, and I know I'm biased, but bear with me. What I loved about the Georgia football team last year is up until the NFL draft, most people probably never even knew half of the defensive names. They weren't household names. They weren't all big five-star recruits. I mean, nowadays, Georgia's recruiting pretty well, but they weren't all the top of the top of the top of the elite. They, they weren't all people that when you looked on SportsCenter, you heard all of their individual names. What you would hear was about their group and how they were a historic defense and how they would talk to each other about our connectedness, our composure, and doing it for the brother that's beside of us. They weren't out to make an individual name for themselves. They were out to do it together so that they could all experience the success together. And it all paid off when they hoisted that national championship trophy in Indianapolis earlier this year. I'm telling you today that the church world is not a place for stars. And it's not a place for celebrities. There is one king in the church, and his name is Jesus. And he's the only one who's ever been worthy of all praise. And he's the only one who will ever be worthy of all praise from here through evermore. So we're not out to make stars. We're not out to make celebrities. We're out to put our hands to the plow and to spread the work of the king that more people might know Jesus the way we've known him in our lives. Give God some praise today. It takes all of us, and it takes all of us focused in the same direction. We're not out for ourselves. We're not out for our own preferences. We're not out for what we want. We're out to honor God, to serve others, and to align ourselves with whatever the head of the church, Jesus, is telling us to do. The church, the importance of serving. I'm grateful that, if I'm honest today, at EPAG, this message doesn't come from a place of need because I don't, I don't feel like we fit the 20-80 principle. I feel like there are more than 20% engaged that do 80% and 100% of the work. It's all because of our incredible teams that I can say that. It's all because of the incredible people, many of you in this room, who serve in so many different capacities. And we have some right now as we are in this room, as we're online, that are serving to make sure all of this is happening. But I want today 
to do more than just say thank you for your service. I want to paint a picture for you today that's forward thinking to where we're headed, not just where we are. And when you begin to look at the painting of where we will be, you begin to realize there are more and more who are coming looking for truth. There are more and more who need the hope of Jesus. There are more and more opportunities. Just recently, Amber and I began to meet with a local pregnancy care center. Because when the Supreme Court issued their decision earlier this year, it was time for the church not just to say grateful for the victory, but it was time for the church world to say, if we're really going to be pro-life, let's be pro-life all the way around the board. And so we begin having conversations and we begin saying, what locally can we do to partner? How can we go together in this? And I can tell you, just last week, we were able to tour a local facility and God is doing some incredible things already. And now the conversation is partnership, developing the spiritual component that they want us to be a part of as a church so that we can minister to these moms and families as they're coming through this process. More and more we'll share going forward, but I can just tell you God's opening the door. We've sat across the table from, from those who are engaged in rescuing people right here in our area of human trafficking and rescuing people from being a part of things that they shouldn't be a part of. And, and we're saying, so what can the church do? How can we come along and make a difference in this? And there's opportunities that we can resource and care and serve in those ways. God's opening up the opportunities with relationships and partnerships and all of these different things. So when I paint the picture this morning of where we're headed it's going to take all of us it'll take more people and more teams and the staff and I have some things in our hearts that we feel are, are from the Lord and for the effective ministry for people it's going to take all of us there's no better time than the present to be a part of God's preferred future for EPAG so I want to challenge you today in a couple of quick things. Number one, I want to challenge you that if you're not already plugged into a team, that today you join one. There are many different serving opportunities. Uh, I've jokingly said before, if you don't like kids, then maybe kids isn't for you. But from what I hear, I think there are people who know to put on a great smile and still serve kids, even if they don't like them. Some of you may not even like your own kids today. I'm not sure. But whether it's a kids team, whether it's a youth team, whether it's a prayer team, whether it's a, uh, wanting to be involved more and more in outreach, we're going to have opportunities for mentorship with many different people. My wife, even this week, is, is mentoring now, even through Minnesota Teen Challenge. There's great opportunities. More and more opportunities. You can pray. You can give. You can serve. I want to challenge you on our website. You can go to our homepage and click connect, join a team. Or you can use the QR code that's on the screen this morning and you can click it. It'll take you straight there. And let's consider together, where do your giftings and your passions align? How can you plug in and be a part of actively serving? You say, well, Pastor Chris, I don't know my giftings. We'll help you with that. Pastor Chris, I, I've got some passions. I've got some things I like to do. I might know an area where I'd like to serve. There's a drop-down menu on this form that all you've got to do is click it, and there's several options of things that you can choose to be a part of. Maybe you're somebody today who says, you know what? 
I, I, I maybe am aware of giftings. I maybe am aware of some of my passions. But maybe today you're saying, I just, I just want to serve where needed. Where's the need? How can I help? What can I do? Today, I'm asking you, use this and, and sign up with it so that we can connect with you and have that very conversation and plug you in where we need you. Because I can promise you, there's always somebody who needs to be ministered to. There's always someone who needs Jesus. There's always someone who needs encouragement. There's always someone who's navigating a crisis in life and needs someone just to be a listening ear, a comforting shoulder, and someone who will point them to Jesus and the Word of God. There are opportunities for us to do this together. Lastly, I'll ask you and challenge you to sign up to be a part of our Autumn Festival this October the 8th. You've heard it announced today. This is what we would call a bridge event. We're building bridges into our community. We don't believe that the church should isolate. We believe the church of Jesus should be engaged in our local community. So we are building bridges into our community. And this gives us an opportunity to love people, to serve people, and to interact with people. And maybe you say, well, sounds like a lot of fun. Sounds like a lot of sugar for my kids. (laughs) Sounds like a lot of popcorn. All good things. But may I challenge us to think bigger? May I challenge you today to think that when they come on this campus, they may come because their kids are interested in having a lot of fun, but they may not realize that it will be the beginning of a conversation about the work of God in their life. That perhaps somebody interacts with them in the name of Jesus and they smile at them and maybe they've been hurt by a church before and they begin to realize not all Jesus followers are the way that someone else treated them. Or maybe they interact with someone and they realize somebody genuinely cares and somebody's following up with them. Somebody really wants to talk with them and and be with them on the journey and they recognize, hey, there's something real about this thing called Christianity. This can be much more than just fun, just food, just candy, just laugh, laughter. This can be divine. This can be a moment where eternities are changed. So I'm challenging you today to utilize the access we've given you to sign up to say, I want to be a part of it. And everyone, as Pastor Cynthia said earlier today with a pulse, can be a part of this. We have different roles. We've also broken it down into different shifts. So no one has to serve the entire time. If you've got kids, that's one of the things that comes up immediately. Kids or students, that you want them to be able to enjoy it. Serve part of the time, enjoy it part of the time. If you've got teenage students, we invite you and a parent parent and a student, serve together for a little bit and then have fun. We can organize all of that. We want you to be able to enjoy it, but we also want to make sure everyone in our community enjoys it. So I want to ask you today to be a part of it. Just sign up today and say, you know what? I want to be hands and feet of Jesus. I want to be an active part of what He wants us to do. I don't know what it feels like to you, but for me, this feels like somewhat of a a new beginning, a new era. It feels like a moment in time when, as I said last week, we're here for such a time as this. That we could have been alive in any generation, and yet here we are. When it's so easy to point the fingers and look around at the world and say all the things are bad, this is the time for the church. We're the light of the world. We're the salt of the earth. We're here to make a difference in the name of Jesus. This is our time. This is our opportunity. Light shines greatest in darkness. 
What better moment than right now? So I'm challenging us today. Let's put our hand to the plow together and say, we're in this thing. We're going to be a part of it. We're going to be a servant. We want to see God honored and we want to see people serve and knowing Jesus. Would you pray with me right now? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your power and the promise of empowerment. Thank you, Lord, that you gift us. Lord, we're humbled that we could even be used by you. Jesus, we're just grateful that we get to be a part of the family of God. We're grateful that you could use us. God, we believe more than just a phrase or a saying, we truly believe the best is yet to come. We genuinely believe, Lord, because of you, because of the promises of your word, and because of the empowerment and gifting of the Holy Spirit, there are incredible days ahead for your church. So, Lord, I pray that you help us to all be a part of this together, to serve faithfully, time, talent, treasure, honoring you and serving others, Lord, in every way. I pray that we would make our priorities your priorities, Lord, that our hearts will sink with you, and Lord, that we will long to honor you and to serve others in these ways. I thank you today for it, Lord. We commit ourselves to your service. We ask you, as the songwriter said years ago, Jesus, use me. Surely there's a work that I can do. Lord, I pray, help us to walk in humility. Help us to walk in gratefulness before you. Help us to walk with a mentality that puts others ahead of ourselves. Father, I pray today that you bless and keep this people. And you make your face to shine upon them and be gracious to them. May your countenance ever be turned their direction and grant them your peace. Go with us. Use us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.